Welcome to the Damn Good Dogcast. It is Cinco de Mayo, and boy, what a show we've got for you. We are talking Florida Gators and Cocktail Party. What a show. Dan, welcome to the show. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for inviting me on. It's excited to be here. Not a problem. Hey, man, I know this is going to be a fun show. You're talking Cinco de Drinco, the unofficial uh, holiday for drinking there. And we're talking cocktail party, man. It's just couldn't. I love it. Oh, man. It's always fun to talk cocktail parties, man. It always is. Especially coming off a victory, you know? You know what, though? But uh, three before, I think we're good. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. But no, man. But no, I just wanted to thanks, uh, thank you again for coming on. Um, I know it's I, I, we've been waiting for this. I, I have. I, I love talking Florida and Georgia. Uh, obviously, I think it's both of ours uh, favorite uh, rivalry here. Uh, yep. Tennessee don't count right now because they're just nope. in a complete shit show. That's all I'm going to say there. But anyways, let's go ahead and jump in. Um, obviously, people come in whenever they're ready. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously, you know, the big uh, – the elephant in the room, right? Uh, Jordan coughs up the, uh, the cocktail party last year, and y'all take one away. Uh, you know, looking forward, though, you know, I, I think this year is going to be a better game. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely think it's going to be a better game. Uh, looking at the, the rosters and things like that, you know, Georgia didn't have JT Daniels, and mm-hmm. there was a lot of people. Uh, I don't know if you followed the Georgia situation, but a lot of people I heard talking about, you know, if JT Daniels would have been this and, and he would have played, blah, blah, blah. People got pissed off at uh, Kirby a little bit, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking into it, though, you know, obviously JT, you know, God forbid an injury, uh, you know, he'll be in, he'll be playing in Jacksonville, uh, you know. And I just, I'm just curious. I know with last year, uh, with the offense and everything you had, you know, you're losing a lot of that, right? So you lost Kadarius Tony, mm-hmm. went first round to the Giants, mm-hmm. uh, then Trask and. You know, Kyle Pitts went to Atlanta fourth overall. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's a lot of offensive production uh, lost. So how you know, obviously you you follow the Gators uh, as much as anybody that I know. What? How are y'all uh, coping with losing that much offensive firepower? Sure, no, that's a that's a great question. And like I said, it's exciting to be on. You know, I, I don't know if there's an exact answer to that question until we see it. We, we don't really know. You know, Florida returns. Uh, Emory Jones is their starting quarterback who over the last few years has played sparingly. But when he has played, he has played, you know, pretty well. You know, Florida and Dan Mullen have not really had him uh, throwing the ball very often. But when Kyle Trask uh, or yeah, when Kyle Trask went down with a potential injury against Auburn uh, with his knee, uh, Emory Jones came in for a drive before Kyle Trask came back and, and looked pretty good throwing the ball. But again, you know, we haven't seen much of him throwing the ball, so we'll see. Obviously, he's a more prototypical Dan Mullen type of quarterback where he's, you know, a, more of a dual threat. He he can run, um, you know, so we'll see. You know, he's definitely a, a question mark there. You know, Florida does return all of their running backs, and then they do bring on uh, Demarcus Bowman, who transferred uh, from Clemson, who was a five-star in the the 2020 recruiting class to join those ranks. You know, you add Damian Pierce, who is Florida's, you know, stable running back last year, Malik Davis, who's played quite a bit, and Naquan Wright, who really came on towards the end of the year. And then Florida's also going to count on Lorenzo Lingard, who's a former five-star running back who transferred from the University of Miami a couple of seasons ago. So Florida is loaded at the running back position for really the first time in quite some time. 
You know, Florida is going to be replacing Kadarius Tony and Trayvon Grimes at the wide receiver position. There's still some question marks there. Justin Shorter is going to need to step up. Uh, Jacob Copeland is going to need to step up. So there's, but you definitely have a lot of turnover, you know, in that wide receiver room. Florida had a lot of turnover in the wide receiver room the year before for a lot of guys, four guys go uh, going into the NFL draft. So, you know, Florida has talent. It's a little bit unproven. Uh, so we'll see. And then obviously losing Kyle Pitts. I mean, it, it's hard to say that you're going to be able to replace the highest drafted tight end in NFL history. Uh, you know, Florida has some talent there, but it's definitely going to be a drop off. So, so yeah. we'll see. Um, yeah, I know looking at, looking into that though, obviously in hindsight, you know, um, Obviously, the the dog fans here, man. A lot of them are Georgia uh, Falcons fans. Not mm-hmm. all of them, but you know, most of them are. So, you know, I think a lot of people looking at this, you know, saw what Pitts was about, and, and Pitts was that hybrid kind of the receiver slash tight end that really makes it a mismatch nightmare. You know, but right. you you look at Tony, with you know, with I would say I wouldn't say I don't know about world class speed, but definitely a speedster. Um, you know, obviously you lose that talent, and it's going to be hard to replace that. I don't think you can replace Kyle Pitts. Period. There's no mm-hmm. question about that. Uh, just trying to get as much back as what you can, um, you know, but looking at it though, obviously, you know, I don't expect this, you know, the cocktail party, this, uh, this coming up year to really, I don't really have it. The offensive is going to be there. The offensive side of the ball is going to be there for both teams. Uh, you know, Georgia uh, looking at bringing one of the most stacked offenses in, in recent memory, at least in my opinion, you know, you you have a competent quarterback. I think what separates this year, in my opinion, is the scheme. Uh, you know, in years past, we've had more focus on the run game. And, and, and you know, it's hard to really, I guess, it's hard to win games and, and, you know, get to your goals, you know, national title contention and stuff like that when you don't have that pass game. And you're looking at 2020 coming into this year, and there's no question about it. Georgia's loaded at the receiver position, tight ends. Mostly across the board, obviously, with offensive line being our question. So mm-hmm. I don't expect it to be a problem scoring points, which makes it really a damn good cocktail party, in my opinion, potentially. Uh, you know, but obviously the questions come on the defense. Uh, you know, last year, uh, you know, Florida's defense, in my opinion, was not good. Um, yeah, that's, it, that's more than an opinion. They, they were not good, no. Yeah, so it, let's, I was just trying to put it nicely, I guess you could say. Um, it was not good. Uh, you know, y'all let go of – what Torian Gray? Uh, yep. You know, you keep you keep uh, Grantham there. Yep. Yep. You keep Grantham there, which in my in my opinion, I thought wasn't the best call. Uh, what were your thoughts when y'all kept Grantham, but you let go of the secondary coaches? So that's an interesting question. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. There's obviously a lot of layers. You know, one of the things that Dan Mullen is and, and who he's always been is a coach that has always been very uh, favorable to. Uh, to keeping coaches, to to keeping that continuity and everything else. Dan Mullen and and Todd Grantham have now worked together for four years. Um, you know, Dan Mullen had a lot of excuses to why, right? Um, you know, the you know COVID nineteen, um, you know, changing out a, a a lot of different players. You know, on the defense, there's a lot of excuses made, in my opinion, about why Todd Grantham was, was uh, you know retained. I don't know the reason why he was or or why he wasn't let go. I don't know if it's a monetary reason. I don't know if there's other reasons why. I don't know if they, you know, checked out to see who might be interested in joining and the, the pool wasn't great. I don't know. Um, I do think it's interesting, you know, that Florida had a, a bad defense last year and their two defensive players that were drafted were two players from the two position coaches that got fired. Right? You know, yeah. Florida has talent. You know, all of the players that started for Florida, 
you know, last year on defense were guys that were recruited by all your big programs, you know, across the country. So it's not a talent issue. Now it's a development issue. There's some very interesting, you know, decision-making. So I I don't, I I don't have an opinion on, on Todd Grantham staying. I don't know, you know, what was his call? What wasn't, I don't know what the, the talent was, what it wasn't. Um, you know, I don't know how much COVID-19 did or did not, but what I will say is that I think that you're going to see a more prototypical Todd Grantham defense this year than you saw last year. And what I mean by that is I think that they're going to be a bit more aggressive. I think that you're – no, you're fine. Um, I, do, I think that they're uh, going to be a bit more aggressive. I think that they're going to play closer to the, to the line of scrimmage. Florida has – um, different cornerbacks this year than they had last year. Uh, and they have different safeties than they had last year in terms of the, the style of play that they are. They're a lot bigger. They're, they're a lot stronger. Um, and they're just like bigger bodied people. So we'll see how that defense changes. But, you know, Florida, the only way that Florida can beat Georgia next year is by putting together, you know, a solid defensive performance. And I think they have the skill to do it. Now it's the scheme to be able to do it. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Typically, you know, when you look at this game right here, you know, in my opinion, I always think that you can you can never overlook either team, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you're having a down year, we've saw it. Right? You you see these situations where Florida can lose to Georgia out on on Georgia's having a down year, and and vice versa. So you know, it's definitely I think it's a schematic thing, right? So yep. you know, you look at you know along your defense, right? I think your defensive line could set the tone, perhaps. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, you look at Javon Dexter, you look at Brenton Cox, uh, you know, those guys right there are going to, I think, set the tone or what needs to set the tone uh, come cocktail party get a week. I think you have to do that. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, your defense and our offense. It, it's weird that a Georgia team coming into the season's strength is your offense. It's 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 mm-hmm. not normal for us, but it's a pleasant surprise, I guess you could say. But um, yeah, no, I, I would say it's the same in Florida. You know, Florida didn't. You know, I think if Florida has a competent, a more competent defense last year, they don't lose to Texas A and M. They don't lose to LSU. Um, you know, that game against Alabama, you can say that Florida could have beat them. I mean, we were within a touchdown. I don't know if anybody was stopping Alabama last year, so I'll leave that one to the side. Was, um, man, you know, but, I don't know if anybody could have, to be honest. You know, and I, I think that we played a hell of a game, and I think that we played as good of a game as, as you could ask for. But, you know, you take those two wins out, and it's a completely different thing into this season. You know, Florida's strength is on the defensive line. You know, you, you mentioned Gervon Dexter. You mentioned Brenton Cox. You know, Florida brought in two transfers, one from Penn State and one from Auburn, uh, to fill into that zero and one technique and three technique defensive tackle positions. You know, but Florida brings back Zachary Carter, who, you know, really came on late. You know, towards the end of last season, there were some, you know, question marks whether he was going to go to the NFL this year. He was probably a, a mid to late round draft guy. So Florida's going to rely heavily on him uh, to step in. You know, Florida has some solid defensive players. You know, Trey Dean uh, really started to come on at the safety position last year. Kyrie Elam is a potential top 10 pick uh, at cornerback next year. Um, you know, Florida brought in five star Jason Marshall, who's going to likely play, you know, that cornerback position, you know, on the other side of Kyrie Elam. So, you know, Florida has some talent there. They have Ventral Miller at linebacker, um, you know, who some folks are talking about. I'm not, but other folks, and so I'll say they are, talking about him being a potential first-round draft pick as well. So, you know, Florida has some talent. What what they really need to do is they just need to play more aggressive on the ball. They need to be, you know, able to, to press more at the line of scrimmage at, at cornerback because Georgia is a really solidly strong program and at, at wide receiver especially, right? Like we've known Georgia for – you know, the last decade, decade and a half to really have some 
outstanding running backs. Well, not only do they have outstanding running backs this year, they've got some really good wide receiver, George Pickens, who's a potential first round, you know, pick. So there's a lot of talent there. Um, you know, and so what Florida has to do is they have to be able to get to, to JT Daniel and they need to be able to, you know, to go after and be aggressive at, at where you say is a little bit weaker at the offensive line. So, yep. Not, you know, looking at the, I guess, looking at the matchup, right. I, like I said, I think it's going to be our offense against your defense and who can really stop it. In my opinion, I know, uh, you know, the will route has come to haunt many a dog fans uh, just this past year alone. Uh, I, you know, I think I honestly believe moving forward into the season, you know, I don't know if that's going to be that much of an issue. I think it may, but I don't think it'll kill us like it did last year. Um, but honestly, looking at our offense, so I know you talked about Pickens, right? And everybody under and everybody knows Pickens. Everybody mm-hmm. knows him. You have to respect him. My take is I don't see Pickens being ready before the cocktail party. So, you know, obviously that leaves some major questions, you know, into the season. Uh, it, with what's going on with, you know, the receiving group. And I think you look at guys coming back uh, off of injury, you know, uh, Marcus Roseme, uh, which actually mm-hmm. uh, had that horrific injury in the cocktail party this past right. year. He'll be back. You look at Don Blaylock, which a lot of people may have forgotten because of the resurgence that, uh, with JT and, and company last four games with Jermaine going off, you know, but Don Blaylock is a very, you know, consistent, good player. So there's a lot of depth right there, but the one name that I think is going to be interesting to see is Arian Smith. Uh, and if you have any Gators fans listening, this guy is fast. And I'm not talking about he's fast. No, he, this kid is world-class speed. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if I, – I want to see Kyer against Arian because I know Kyer coming out of high school, uh, damn good safety prospect. Obviously it was a huge battle uh, between Georgia and Florida, but obviously he ended up picking up and going to uh, Gainesville. So I know Kyer is good. I think he has the potential to be all SEC. Uh, obviously, time will tell, but that's just my prediction. He has the potential to at least be first team, maybe second team at least. Um, so, you know, obviously, I think that'll be a good matchup. I want to see how our speed, because this year we actually have a lot of speed. Can, you know, top of this thing, looking at it, Kyer is going to be a huge threat to the our receiving core. So, I think, to me, that might be the biggest matchup for me is seeing how our offensive, especially the receivers, match up against your secondary. Uh, you know, and yeah. obviously you cannot sleep on Darnell Washington. That dude is a monster. He's going to be a matchup nightmare. How, yeah, how do I'll your be- linebackers uh, or how do your safeties handle that? I'll, be- I'll believe the Darnell Washington, you know, when he, when he is productive, I, I think that he's an incredible athlete. You know, but right now it, it hasn't quite transferred over. I think that it could. Um, you know, I think that the way that Georgia beats, you know, Florida at the receiver position next year is not by trying to match up Arian Smith against Kyrie Elam. It's going to be your second and third, you know, wide receivers matching up against Florida's second and third DB. And what I mean by that is, you know, let's just say Jason Marshall is starting. Obviously, you're seven, eight games into the season with Florida plays Georgia, but he's still going to be a freshman. Behind him, you have Jaden Hill, who, you know, will be a, a either a retro sophomore or, or junior. I don't, well, I guess what we'll call him a retro sophomore. Um, okay. You know, a, a kid, a kid has skills. Kid is decent, but he's skinny. He's thin. He's not the world's best tackler. And then after that, you, you have a, a pretty large drop off, right? So, you know, where George is going to be Florida isn't trying to say, Hey, let's get Arian Smith over top of Kyrie Elam. Not saying that there won't be an opportunity to do that, but it's going to be where your mismatches are. And it's going to be attacking where Florida is a little bit weak. And that's, you know, at your, your secondary 
secondary you know, positions, right? Florida's going to be yep. starting. You know, if you consider, you know, that Florida's going to always play a, a nickel, you know, cornerback where um, that they call the star position. So Florida's replacing three of their five starters there. And yep. of the one that is starting trading at, at that star safety position, you know, he was, you know, a backup for most of the season. So, you know, Florida is in essence replacing four of those people. Now, you know, it's a different, you know, thing to say game one versus game eight, you know, but if Florida sus- sustains an injury there, Florida's very, very weak at that position for the first time in probably two decades. So that's what, that's where Georgia can beat Florida. Um, Florida is missing some size in the linebacker room as well. You know, so if Georgia wants to beat them, it it might be a a ground and pound, you know, type of situation. But, you know, like you said, you know, probably 10 minutes ago, you know, this could, this is a very fluky game. If you would have told me when Florida was down 14, nothing, four minutes into the game last week, that Florida would, you know, put up 41, you know, to, you know, 14 points. Right. I I would have never believed you, but um, you know, it's a fluky game and a lot can happen. And, you know, I think that Florida has a lot of talent now. It's just a matter of putting it all together, especially in defense. Oh, absolutely. All right. So we're going to move on talking about personnel and, and you know, the, the depth chart and things like that. We're going to actually talk about the cocktail party itself. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's always this topic, you know, heated topic. I, I believe one way I've heard a lot of backlash, even within the dog nation, different ways. So right. my thing is, yeah, I want to hear your thoughts on it, and I'll kind of touch on mine to see maybe where we are here. But where do you stand on the side of the cocktail party being in Jacksonville? Do you think it should be in Jacksonville every year, or do you think that it should be a home at home series? And why? First, first off, I want to put on record that the game is the the Florida Georgia game. Georgia Florida doesn't make sense um, alphabetically. It doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. So I want to let everybody from Dog Nation know that just alphabetically, that's just the way that we do things, right? It's Alabama, Auburn. It's not all of Auburn, Alabama, right? It's just alphabetical. That's what we're following here. But um, no, you know what? I've always been a fan of alternating it. I, I would love to have a four-year rotation where maybe, you know, you have two years in Jacksonville, one year in Athens, and one year in Gainesville. Um, you know, I do think it is obviously an advantage for Florida. You know, the game is closer. Jacksonville is probably your third or fourth largest hub of, of Gator alumni um, in the country. Um, I do know that it is, you know, obviously closer to Gainesville than it is to Athens. I don't know if there's an alternative, you know, site that you could have it at, right? Like you can't have it at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, right? Like that's, you know, just solving the problem on the opposite way, right? So I would love the idea of, you know, Florida being able to play in Athens. I would love Georgia to come to Gainesville. Um, I know it's happened a couple times over the last, you know, couple decades because of some scheduling conflicts, things of that nature. But, you know, I would love, you know, when I was an undergrad at UF, I, I had the opportunity to travel and visit a lot of stadiums, but but still never got to, you know, see between the hedges. So I would love to see that game. You know, I, I like that it's in, in Jacksonville. I like the theme of it all. But, you know, I'd love that to see that game every once in a while be played you know, in a home and home situation. Yeah. I, I kind of feel your, I, I feel where you're going, but for, for me, I, I personally want to see it home and home. Um, and I'm looking, I've never been to Jacksonville, it. but I think my logic is, you know, recruiting I, me personally. I love recruiting. And, you know, when you have a neutral site game, you know, when it comes to these recruits, the game is obviously going to be one of the biggest ones of the week. Every time. However, you've got to deal with losing a recruiting week, um, you know, for your school. And if you have that home and home, you have that extra week. 
and and as we know, when it comes down to these battles, uh, obviously between Georgia, and Florida, that could make that can make or break a recruit's choice. Um, so I look at it that way. I know Kirby Smart said it that way as well uh, before, uh, but I understand the history. So I respect the history of it being in Jacksonville. I know Florida. Uh, there's a lot of Florida fans. Obviously, there's a lot of Georgia fans. Uh, typically, every year you watch it, you know the stadium's pretty much split even with red and blue. Uh, so obviously, it's not a question of you know people going or you know things like that. I just look at it from a recruiting standpoint, which is what I would like to see. Um, you know the, the home and homes more often, maybe. Um, you know, I would love to get to I would love to get to Athens and and see uh, you know Georgia Florida play between the hedges uh, yeah. for me. So. I, you know, I don't I, I get the excuse that it's a, it's a recruiting weekend that you're missing and everything else. But I, I mean, I don't think it makes a, a huge difference. When I worked at, at UF, I worked in the football recruiting office for for three and a half years. And I never really heard that as a, a, a real true reason um, to why a, a player didn't come or couldn't get on the campus. You know, there's so many recruiting weekends that players can come. There's so many opportunities. And, you know, for the most part, because Florida and Georgia do play that, that, uh, you know, that away, you know, neutral site game every year, you know, they usually pack their schedule with, you know, an easier team that they don't have to give a, a home and home to, right. Where they can get that extra home game and make up. Right. I mean, you think that, you know, Florida and Georgia both play, you know, 12 regular season games, at least seven of them every year or at home. Right. So like you're already at a little bit of an advantage than, than a lot of schools that are playing five at home, maybe six at home. So, you know, Florida and Georgia both have a lot of opportunities for, for them to, you know, have students come onto campus. I don't think it makes a, a huge difference. And, you know, playing that primetime football game, you know, on CBS every year is, is just as much of a recruiting pitch as, as being able to bring, you know, a player to Athens. So I don't know if I buy that excuse a hundred percent, but I would love the opportunity to, to see Florida play Georgia and, and hell if, if that game ever does go to Athens or, or that game ever goes to Gainesville, you can, you can count that I'll be there. Oh no. I think if it ever went to Athens as well, even, I mean, I, I would make the trip from North Carolina. Uh, I would, I would make that trip in a heartbeat, uh, you know, spend some savings or something. Who knows? Right. You find a yeah, way to make right. it. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a good one. So I'm going go to go to gonna... Jacksonville. You got to go to Jacksonville. It's a hell of a, a hell of a day. I'll oh, see. I've, I've look personally. I've been to Orlando, but I know that trap, uh, that trip, and it's a brutal one. So yeah, no, no, nothing, nothing good about Orlando. In fact, there's not a lot good about Jacksonville either. But this that game itself is an awesome day because you know everybody's tailgating together, tailgating next to each other, having a good time, talking trash. But you know, for the most part, it's it's very, very friendly. Um, you know, there's not not a lot of fighting and not not a lot of bickering. It's it's a fun fun rivalry game. Oh no, I can I can only imagine. I know I've talked to several people, uh, Georgia fans. It's went. Uh, obviously, there's heckling. It's just that's just a Georgia, you know, that's just a rivalry. Um, <clears throat> but it's always a good game. It seems like it's always intense when when there's uh, fans in the stands. Right? Last year was kind of a weird. I hate I hated that year, but at least we had football. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously, we'll we'll take it now that I think you're looking at full state uh, full capacity this coming up year. It's going to be nice. Yeah, We're going to take I a quick so. break everybody we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna come in and we're gonna talk the season uh predictions uh for the gators so stay tuned ever since i started podcasting i've used buzzsprout and let me tell you this you cannot go wrong with buzzsprout the team at buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed one of the hardest things about creating and starting your own podcast is not knowing what to do buzzsprout it's super easy you, they will help you out in regards to what to do. 
Buzzsprout will get your show listed in every major podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. And Buzzsprout is the best partner you could imagine. Uh, You'll get a great looking podcast website. Audio players that you can drop into your other websites. Detailed analytics to see how people are listening. uh, And other tools to promote your episodes. And there's a lot more than just that. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get your message out to the world. Follow the link in the show notes and let Buzzsprout know that we sent you. Get you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for the paid plan. And it helps support our show. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, obviously, after the, uh, right now, we're looking at the Florida Gators season predictions. Dan, I'm going to post this up, and I want you to start off. There we go. We're going to go down uh, each column first. Uh, looking at it right here, you have Florida Atlantic, South, uh, South Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. All right, so obviously these first six games, I think the first two, um, easy wins. I think mm-hmm. they're easy wins. Uh, but I think all eyes are on week three. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, and, and looking after Alabama, we go to Tennessee, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. I think you – my prediction is 5-1 and one going in uh, to the back half of your uh, schedule. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think that you're exactly right. That's that's what I was going to say. You know, Alabama does come to Gainesville, which is nice instead of going to, you know, to Tuscaloosa. Uh, you know, a- Alabama is just so stacked all the time. and They replace, you know, all of their talent every year with seemingly even more. Uh, I do think that, you know, Florida has a, um, you know, a really, really strong chance and should be 5-1. and one. I think there'd be a lot of disappointment if they weren't 5-1. Uh, and one. Um, I think a lot of fans are already chalking out that Auburn game as a loss. So, yeah, I agree with you that, that Florida will be five and uh, five and one there. You know, looking at it, obviously, I think, you know, the one, you know, obviously to start the season, you know, you look at Florida Atlantic, I think that's just an easy win. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, if you look back in the past, South Florida actually used to be a problem. Uh, right. I just don't see them being the program that they are, you know, are where they are now. I don't see them being the program of old. Uh, and, and I think this is where, you know, you, you win, uh, obviously, because uh, I think you go uh, you go to uh, South yeah. Florida. So. Yeah, Florida's, Florida's coming to, uh, to Tampa here. University of South Florida, strangely, is in, in Tampa, not in actual South Florida. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, they'll, so they'll be here. Uh, you know, South Florida is interesting. They, they should be able to be better than they are. Um, you know, they, they've changed coaches a lot. You know, they, they tried Charlie Strong. Last year, not last year, pardon me, uh, two seasons ago, he got fired, but he was there for a couple years and it just didn't work out on the right, probably cultural fit. I think, uh, you know, Charlie Strong was was just about over it. But, you know, they brought in Jeff Scott last year and, you know, Jeff Scott, you know, came from Clemson. I think that he's the right guy. You know, I I think South Florida being based in, in Tampa you know, obviously has a you know rife recruiting opportunity there. I think that you'll see them climb the ladder again. You know, maybe not as quickly as as one might think, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised that if in five years South Florida is better than uh, than UCF. I, you know, honestly, I, I kind of agree with you there. I know, you know, obviously Gus, uh, you know, the Gus bus departs, the planes goes down to yep. Central Florida. Uh, you know, to me though, I'm I'm curious to see how he handles Central Florida. Uh, you know, I think. And this may be a take for both of us here, but, you know, I think Gus benefited from the recruit, you know, the prowess of the Auburn name and brand. Uh, I just don't see him doing as good as people might expect him to be 
at Central Florida. So, you know, to the fact that, you know, South Florida could be better, you know, within the next five to 10 years than Central Florida is not a stretch to me. Uh, I just just don't trust, I just don't trust Gus Malzahn enough. Well, I I think that UCF did really well under Scott Frost. I think that they, you know, obviously had some good talent that worked for them. Um, I was very surprised to see, and I guess in a way, that Tennessee went and hired Josh Heupel. Um, I think Gus will be a fine coach. I think that he'll maintain a lot of the the status quo and in, in what they were doing. But this is what I'll, I'll say about um, about UCF is that I really, 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 truly think that Gus Malzahn is probably only there for a year or two. I think that he goes in, he maintains status quo. Somebody else is going to hire him. They'd be silly not to, right? So. Um, you know, I think that UCF is, is going to be a program that's always going to be that that stepping ground program. And the hell, South Florida is probably going to be the same uh, with uh, with Jeff as well. I just think that there's a little bit more talent. I think it's a, a bit of a better school, a better opportunity at, at USF if somebody can capture that and, and somebody that wants to be there. Um, but we got off track there. I think that Tennessee is going to be bad again this year. I think that Kentucky is, you know, obviously going through some changes in their offense this year. Uh, and then Vanderbilt is going to be Vanderbilt. So. Yep. So I'm going to pop this back up here for a second, though. I, you know, obviously everybody looks at week three. Uh, you know, I think this is the the one game in Alabama's schedule that the, that could really spoil their perfect season, at least in the regular season. Um, but it really depends on Emory Jones' development, in my opinion. Bama's defense is going to be as good as expected every year. It never fails under the – you know, when the saving train is rolling. But – you know, it can Emory Jones make enough plays? Can Demarcus? I think Demarcus Bowman might honestly be a starter. I think going out, you know, I don't. Clemson. I don't think so. I don't really? think this is why I say. I, this is why I say that. I mean, Demarcus Bowman is unbelievably talented. Uh, you know, Demarcus Bowman missed a lot of the spring uh, with uh, with an ankle injury or a leg injury. Uh, so I don't think that he's going to be starting. I'll tell you why. Um, you know, Damian Pierce is going to be now in his fourth year playing at UF and playing meaningful snaps there. Same with Malik Davis. Malik Davis is in technically his third year. Uh, well, I guess his technically fourth year coming up. Um, he had he suffered an injury, but he's going to be a redshirt senior this year, um, and he's he's got a lot of talent. And then, but but Florida's bell cow, I think next year is going to be Naquan Wright. He really came on. He can do a lot of things. He can you know catch out of the backfield. He can run. He can break tackles. He's he's fast enough. So I think that that's who Florida is going to really. I think that Demarcus Bowman's going to get a shot. You know, but if Florida stacked in any one position more than any other, it's going to be that running back position. So Demarcus Bowman is good, but I think that you're going to probably want to wait another year before it's truly Demarcus Bowman's show. And then Lorenzo Lingard really came on uh, this spring as well. So, so who knows? But there's too many people that deserve the ball for it to be a one-man show, in my opinion. Fair enough. Now, so you know, I, I look at like I said, Alabama is going to be the one game, or you know, the Florida Alabama game is going to be that game uh, that could you know, could see Alabama getting their perfect season spoiled. Uh, obviously, I, I'm, I can't do this. <clears throat> I would have – I couldn't pull for anybody in this game. I'm just a – I know you're a Gator fan, but I'm a Gator hater. I, I can't pull for either one of y'all. I can't do it. It's going to be – but <laughs> it is going to be a game one. that I will watch. In, my, in all honesty, I think it's a game worth watching. Um, You know, obviously we'll be playing, I think, South Carolina that week. Yes. Uh, so I'm obviously watch that, but I also am going to have to, you just have to watch the, you know, uh, Florida, Alabama game. You sure do. Um, considering, considering what we saw in the SEC championship game, I think it, it deems the, you know, the credibility of watching it at least another time. 
But yeah, to your point, kind of game obviously there was a ton of you know transfers and or not ten transfers. A ton of Yeah, yeah, this season is Dan, you there? <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, did you lose me? Uh no, I think there may I mean we're having some uh kind of difficult weather here, so there may be a little uh lag in the in the, the stream itself. Uh, so we'll just have to kind of keep monitoring or at least I will. Um so obviously just bear with us here for that. Uh, you know, looking at it though, uh, let's let's pop the uh, let's pop this back up here. I think now we're good in a situation where uh, we're both on stable connection. Uh, you were talking about Alabama and the Florida game. I think you had mentioned something about transfers when it got real laggy. Uh, can you repeat um, that? Yeah, for no, I did. Sure, sure. I and I didn't mean to say transfers. I meant graduations. You know, you have a lot of the the main players in that game. You know, right. I think that that Florida um, can beat. I mean, I think that they can beat Alabama. I don't think that they will. Um, you know, I see Alabama probably. You know, as in uh, probably a nine or ten point favorite right now. Gotcha. Not. You know, obviously, I, I think it's still. I think it should be a good game. Um, but like I said, I think it really depends on the quarterback play, right? Uh, if Emory, what what can Emory Jones do? Uh, because you know, obviously, we've seen it. You know, the quarterback can take you; it can make you or break you. Um, and we saw mm-hmm. it in the cocktail party with us. Uh, obviously, we played them in the regular season. We played Bama uh, last season, so you know, we I, I, as a Georgia fan, I understand what quarterback can play. You know, what quarterback play can mean. So I think ultimately, I think it depends on that. But I, I still have Bama winning that game. Um, you know, but oh, for then, sure. But then you look at your back half of the first half. So you look at you know Tennessee, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. I don't even think there's a question here. Tennessee and Vanderbilt are the two bottom feeders this year in the SEC East. Um, I genuinely just don't see Vanderbilt being competitive, in my opinion. Uh, Tennessee is they're, – they're doing so much to try to rebuild. Heupel is, but they're just so far gone, in my opinion, with the with the investigation that they happened and the sanctions and stuff. That was, that was a – that was almost a program suicide that they committed, really. Uh I just don't see them being competitive at all this year. Uh, you know, but obviously in between those two games, I think you look at Kentucky. Uh, I have this feeling that Kentucky could be your surprise team in the SEC East uh, between them and Missouri. Uh, I, I think Kentucky could nudge out and, you know, finish top three. Uh, now, whether it's second or third or whatever, you know, that's to be determined. But I genuinely think that Kentucky's defense with Stoops there can cause some problems for uh, opposing offenses. Uh, typically we play them. It's a, it's a very tricky game. Um, you know, they always play tough nosed, hard nosed defense. As you saw in the draft, Kentucky players going off the boards, mostly defense. They, they, uh, Stoops has got that defense going good, but I just don't know if they have enough firepower to beat Florida. Um, so, you know, obviously, like I said, we'll end up five and one, uh, going into the second half of the season, uh, which leads us to the last six opponents. So you go, you know, you go to LSU, right? Uh, which that's always a tricky game. Uh, just watching that game, it's always a tricky game for both teams. It could go either way. 
Uh, the, obviously, I think then you have your bye week, and then it's a cocktail party. Uh, and then after that, you go to South Carolina, uh, home against Samford. Uh, you go to Como, and then uh, to finish the season, you go. Um, you bring Florida State in uh, with Norville. So, what are your predictions for the last six? I'm going to say you go uh, five and one here as well. So, I think you end up being ten and two. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I think that that's a, a fair um, assessment. Yeah, I'd have to do a little bit of research. I, I know LSU was down last year. They they still did beat Florida. Um, you know, in, in that Marco Wilson infamous shoe game, uh, you know, I, I think that Florida just probably overlooked that game. They were looking forward to, you know, the SEC championship. They just didn't put it all together. Just kind of a weird day overall. Um, you know, LSU obviously has a ton of talent. They recruit very, very well. Uh, you know, their, their questions are always going to be on offense for them. Uh, you know, do they have the, the quarterback and do they have the talent there? Um, you know, so I think that that game's a toss up. And I think they, the game against Georgia is a toss up. I would probably lead to Georgia being the, the better, you know, if I had a, you know, gun to my head right now, I think Georgia would beat Florida. Uh, if I had a gun to my head right now, I think that, that LSU would probably beat Florida again uh, next season as well. I think that Florida has a lot of question marks that we just don't know, you know, the answer to, um, you know, so I'm going to probably say, you know, just for the, the sake of being slightly different, I'm going to say that Florida goes nine and three next year. I think that they beat South Carolina. I think that they beat Sanford. I think they beat Missouri. And I think that they beat the tail off of Florida state. Um, I mean that's your, I mean that's your in-state rival, so you got to do it. But I'm telling you right well, now, I don't know that, what it is. Very good. See, I'm just curious to see what Norvell does there. Um, you know, there's a lot of hype around Norvell right now, um, but I, honestly, just, I'm just curious to see what he can do. I don't think he does it this year. I think Florida, you know, beats them in the in the swamp. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But you know, we got Chad Buchanan here saying Florida will go nine and three, kind of to mimic what you were saying. I can see it going either way, you know, and I think it really hinges on the LSU game. Uh, the reason being, I think you go 10-2, and two, uh, you know, LSU does have a lot of talent. Uh, you know, they have a lot of talent coming back with Eli uh, Ricks, Stingley. Uh, you got Keshawn Butte, You got Miles Brennan, which is one of the top SEC uh, quarterbacks predicted right now. Uh, you know, but I think there's a huge quarterback battle going on there. Uh, obviously, you know, you go and, you know, Marco Wilson throws his shoe uh, becomes quarterback number two and then, you know, cost you the game, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I think that just shows you that, you know, Florida can still beat LSU. So that's mm-hmm. my logic. You know, I, it took a freak play and, and a mistake, you know, for LSU to come in and beat you. And mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So being fair to myself, you know, I think LSU does take this L uh, to the Gators this year. So, like I said, I think you end up 10-2. and two. Obviously, the cocktail party is going to do its thing. It's going to dictate who wins the East. Mm-hmm. And I think Georgia pulls away there. And that's why I think we win the East. But Georgia, uh, no, with Florida coming in second. Uh, obviously, yeah. with the tiebreaker at the cocktail party. You know, I think LSU is an interesting team. Um, I don't, I actually disagree. I think that their quarterback is going to probably be Max Johnson this year. And he's the guy that came in against Florida. Uh, oh, and I think Florida so too. In, his, in his first games. You know, I think that they're all toss ups. Uh, you know, outside of the Alabama game, I think that Georgia obviously is a, a very, very talented team. I think that LSU has a lot of talent on their team. Just depends on what team shows up. You know, if you told me that Florida was going to potentially go, you know, eight and four, you know, next season, I, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, cause too much of a, a battle against you. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, and, and Chad had another comment there about, you know, Florida going to LSU. You know, Florida historically hasn't played that poorly, you know, at Baton Rouge. You know, they had that. 
that big Baton Rouge. So, you know, I'm not as worried about that. Um, you know, we'll see. Um, you know, I, I think that what Florida needs to do to, to win games this season is that they need to be methodical and they need to play, you know, mostly mistake-free. And I know that that sounds like coach talk, but Florida just, you know, they're they're limited in talent in some areas. So where, where they need to make up, you know, in talent is in coaching and in good, solid play. Um, and then what they need to do is they need to have the, their really outstanding players, the guys that are your five stars, your Brenton Cox, your Gervon Dexters, those kind of folks, they really need to elevate their play um, as well and play like five stars and not, you know, Gervon Dexter had a fine year last year and Brenton Cox was was very much a, you know, a, pardon me, a fine player, but, you know, kind of a one-trick pony. He really needs to step up if Florida wants to go, you know, 11-1 and one or 10-2 next year. I'm going to – so I want to obviously go back to the, um, the cocktail party here. Uh, obviously, I know that, in my opinion, that's probably the biggest game. Well, I don't know. Bama might be y'all's biggest game outside of that, but the robbery. That Georgia game is the bigger one. Gotcha. I, you know, for us last year, we obviously that's that's the game that's probably the biggest in everybody's eyes. But for us last year when we played Bama and Tuscaloosa, that was that was almost what felt like could be a national championship type game that ultimately without, you know, JT Daniels turned into a second half uh, disaster for us. Uh but ultimately, you know, it, it, that offense couldn't be stopped. Um, so I want to get your opinion here. Um, I'm going to take – I'm going to predict the game uh, for the cocktail party. I'm going to make my prediction here, and I'm going to say that we – Georgia wins 42 to 28. I think I think ultimately Florida's offense uh, can score points. I think you can with the running back uh, core that you have and, and obviously mm-hmm. some uh, room there. And, and ultimately, the cornerback situation here for uh, Georgia, there's a lot of talent, but a lot a lot of inexperience, too. So I, I think that, you know, uh, the offense causes some problems there, even with Emory or, you know, whoever's at quarterback. I think there's a possibility there. But I think our offense can actually throw up points. Uh, obviously, this is bearing that nobody really is injured right now, so this is way sure. too early. But, you know, I, th- I think our offense is just going to be on a different level, I would like to think, uh, with the – Really, the balance. Uh, you know, you look at the receiving core. Everybody's talking about the depth there, but we're you know we're RBU for a reason. And right now, there is just so much talent in our running back room as well. So I think Georgia has the capability to really pull off you know a high powered offense. That's something that we're not used to. Georgia fans are not used to this kind of high powered offense. Uh, so I see us you know really throwing up forty two to twenty eight. So mm. with that being said, I want to hear your prediction for the cocktail party game. Oh, man, put, put on the spot here. Um, I'm going to go – that's a lot of points, and I know last year they scored a lot of points. I, I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm going to maybe go 35, you know, 28, 35, 31. Uh, I think Georgia wins uh, right now, um, obviously subject to change. Um, but the, the biggest – I don't know if Florida is going to give up 42 points. In fact, I don't know if they're going to give up 35. You know, we'll see what, what that looks like. And, and you can say that last year, you know, certainly they would have. You know, but, but it takes a lot for, for Florida to historically give up that many points in a game. Um, and I know that I said 35. And what's the, what's the big difference between 40 and 35? You know, but this game isn't historically a super, you know, Ohio, you know, you battle, right? I mean, last year you guys got out to a quick 14 nothing lead, you know, uh, you know, a fluke play and then, you know, a couple of, you know, plays and you guys marched down the field. Um, but I, I do think that Florida 
is going to have a, a solid roster this year. I just there's too many question marks for me to say that I think that Florida beats Georgia right now. Um, you know, obviously you guys are returning JT Daniels. You guys have some great, uh, you know, depth in the wide receiver room. I think if Florida's – our defensive line department can take advantage of your offensive line being hurt, you know, then then Florida has a chance. But right now so I say you guys 35 to, to 28. And still, I mean, I, honestly, I think that's a reasonable score. I know what seemed like last year, though, you, you looked at the team's – you know, and, and and honestly, your offense was as high powered as I've really seen in recent memory. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was. And so, like I said, with you losing a lot, I still think that you know, I, I hate to say it because you know, I mean, I'm having to wear the shirt, but he can. I think he can still coach. All right, I have okay. to respect the coaching prowess that he has, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I, I think defense is what causes a problem. You know, in this game, you know, you know, Florida's defense. But, you know, it could be a situation where, you know, our, our defense gets to Emory Jones. Uh, you know, we've typically been a good run-stopping team. So, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe the, the high-scoring game might not be something this year, but you could see a lower-scoring game. This, sure. is, this is what makes the cocktail party so fun because you don't know what to expect going into any cocktail party game, period. Yeah, no, I think that you're um, – I think that you're right. You know, Florida has a lot of question marks, but – yeah, there's still some question marks about about Mark Richt and you know his his coaching as well and some situational football, some situational awareness there. So um, I'm excited to see what this season can be. I'm a football. I'm excited for watching games in person again. I'm excited that we're we're getting to a point where Florida and Georgia are you know consistently battling for that top slot like it should be. Um, I think it's going to be a really good game. I think that. You know, this game has historically always come down to, you know, momentum shifts, right? It was the next year, it was the, the, the storming the field. Or no, I had that in reverse. It, it, yeah, yeah, the storming of the field. I had that reverse, yeah, we, right? Yeah, so, that we did. Yeah, the yeah. storming of the field, right? So there's that, <laughs> then there's uh, you know, there, there's always there's always usually a player – that triggers two seasons ago, you know, Florida gets within a touchdown and then you guys march down and I think three or four plays and, you know, put the game a little bit out of, you know, out of reach. So there's always that one, two, three momentous plays in the game that, that change it. Um, you know, Dan Mullen is a great coach. Um, he schemes really well. You know, the offense, you know, is going to put up points. It's just a matter of, you know, how does this offense change uh, with, um, you know, with Emory Jones at the helm and, and, and don't, don't, uh, knock it, but you know Florida has an unbelievable quarterback uh, in Anthony Richardson right behind Emory Jones, who I think you'll see a lot of as well. Yeah, that's what I was. One of the things I was curious about with Anthony Richardson is, you know, I, I didn't really, I've never really been under the impression that Emory Jones is a guy. I always thought Anthony Richardson was a little bit better. Uh, maybe that was a little bit of an odd take to say, but I just think he's more of a, a true quarterback, whereas Emory kind of seems to be that kind of like. That, you know, kind of like that Kentucky, right, where they have that running backs playing quarterback. Not to say that he can't, you know, make the plays and stuff like that, but it just kind of has that feeling to me. So I thought Anthony Richardson might be the guy. I probably will be uh, moving forward, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, but I, Anthony Richardson is a, a little bit, and I'm not comparing the two, so when the internet hears this, uh, he's got he's a little bit more Cam Newton 
Um, and yep. Emory Jones is is not really that bulldozer type. Um, you know, when you put a, he- a helmet on Emory Jones, they they very much he very much looks like Cam Newton. He's probably a better passer. I'll say this about Emory Jones is that there's still a lot of question marks because we don't really know, right? Like, there's not been a ton of opportunity to see Emory Jones in like real meaningful game situations where he was counted on to put the ball in the air and put the ball where it needs to be. I'll say this though. He is now, you know, this is what I said about Kyle Trask a couple years ago. Kyle Trask really excelled with the wide receivers that were on the second team when he was on the second team, when he was on first team, and they were on first team, right? So, like, Emory Jones is now going to be throwing to the guys that he's been throwing to as second team quarterback to second team wide receivers for the last two years because now it's their turn to be the number ones, right? So, there's a lot of chemistry there. There's not been a lot of turnover, you know, in that room. Florida returns, you know, a sixth year senior in Rick Wells. Jacob Copeland is there. Jacobion Frazier's is a guy. Jamarcus Weston is a guy that, that Dan Mullen has talked a lot about. So there's there's a lot of talent there. Florida has, you know, a couple of good, um, you know, tight ends in Kamori Gamble. Um, and uh, gosh, I'm forgetting his name. The other guy from from Lakeland High School will come to me in a second. But Keon Zipper, right? So, you know, so Florida has a, some talent there. Now it's just a matter of putting it all together. But it's just so unknown because Florida hasn't had to rely on those guys yet. So, so we'll see. Yep. And I know one more question here before we let you go. The, you know, it was weird for me seeing that Florida didn't have a spring game this year. I want to know why didn't Florida have a spring game? I don't know if I I never heard anything about it. I'm just curious why they didn't have a spring game. We we don't know. Um, And that's a question that has uh, bothered the fan base for a while. Uh, You know, it was announced that there was going to not be a spring game. Pardon me. It was first announced that they weren't going to allow fans in. And then it was announced that there wasn't going to be a spring game. And then they announced that they were going to do this, like, ESPN special that was going to show on the SEC network. And it was going to be, like, an inside look in football. And and to be honest with you, it was a a recruiting pitch, which is, like, is what it is. Like, I know a lot of Gator fans are mad. But, like, again, like, why do you care so much about a spring football game that doesn't really matter where you're not going to, you know, see a lot anyway? Um, my take on it is is that I don't know if Florida was ready slash I don't know if the administration from an optics perspective wanted to put it out there. Um, you know, I don't think that they had a game. I don't think that they were going to have a game in front of nobody. I'm surprised that they allowed fans in the stands during the season, but then yeah. said that they weren't going to allow fans for the spring. So I don't know if there's some optics or some politics behind it. Started their spring spring very 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 quickly i think they started like five weeks after the season started so i don't know if it was a hey we're not ready we just want to get this over in case there is a covid spike again and the spring gets canceled like it did last year but i i don't know what the reasoning is and, and the second somebody finds out please let me know because it's a very peculiar choice i would think Yep, I know Chad. Uh, I got it posted up here. Chad says he's down in Florida as well. Uh, there was no real explanation, so I think that's a question the whole country's curious about. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, you know. Miami had a spring game. FSU had a spring game. UCF, USF, they all had spring games. You know, Florida the, the national um, championship, the national champion, UCF yeah, Knights. Okay, uh, my apologies. The 2017 <laughs> national champion, Golden Knights. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they got more. You know, they got more than all of us right now, man. They sure, they sure do. Congratulations to them. They even created their own logo for it. So they did, and they put the banner up too. If I'm not mistaken, they, they sure the they, they sure did. Hey, <laughs> oh but you can't God. dog them too much. Um, who was it? Uh, FSU put themselves. They hung a banner of like being nationally ranked. I'll, I'll try to find it real quick before we end. If, if uh, I, 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 if you can pull that up. 
Please do. I'll wait for that. I got I got to see it. Because uh, if I can find something that you can clown anybody with, I love doing it here. Look, so hey, here, there's no rules here, man. So, so take a look. Just type in FSU basketball banner on Google and look at images. But um, they hung a banner on their rafters uh, when they, the postseason tournament was canceled last year. And it says NCAA canceled. It says number four, final ranking 2020. So it's pretty wild. <laughs> I mean, considering, you know, considering there. Um, so, okay, so a Facebook user says, what up, Chad? Uh, just for a disclaimer, guys, if you're on Facebook, uh, do keep in mind that the platform uh, asks for permissions so that you have to grant that so that people can actually see who's commenting. So that's the reason for the Facebook user. Uh, but nonetheless, though, uh, Dan, I just want to say thank you again for coming on. Uh, obviously, on this uh, good old Cinco de Mayo, coming to talk cocktail party uh, and, you know, kind of just bringing the rivalry to this podcast, man. I love talking yeah. this uh, rivalry. Uh, you hear year round it's just the way it is uh so like again i just wanted to thank you for coming on uh real quick though where can people find you where can people find your work uh go ahead and let people hear where you're from and all that stuff yeah awesome and thanks so much Rob, for having me on um you can find me on twitter i'm at dk thompson so dk thompson t-h-o-m-p-s-o-n that's where i am on twitter um, and then I also am a co-host of the Stadium and Gale podcast uh, with my friends Nick Del Torre and Corey Knowles. We are the most listens to uh, Florida Gators podcast. So I uh, would love if you're ever interested in knowing what's going on in, in the Florida Gators world. We spend a lot of our offseason, and our goal is always to try to find former Gators and former players, you know, of all sports that that have cool and interesting stories. That's really where we get in our bag is is really trying to uh, to listen to, to folks um, in their time at UF. So we um, had Quincy Wilson on, uh, former Florida Gator DB, uh, who's in the NFL this past week. And we also had Darren Heitner, who's an attorney, who helped write uh, the uh, name, image, likeness legislation for the state of Florida that's going into effect. So super informative show. So, you know, obviously the uh, state of Georgia is looking at NIL as well. So if you want to know a little bit about what NIL is, what it isn't, and, you know, what, what it's going to you know, do to potentially change the, the landscape of college sports, check that out but i appreciate you having me on again that was stadium and gale g-a-l-e there you go guys hey just remember for all you georgia fans tomorrow west end zone governor kemp signs nil into uh, law so obviously that's a big deal and i know uh, florida's doing the same thing so uh obviously we want there's more to stay tuned there i'm sure there's going to be some content about nil coming soon i'm just going to let you know that it's a big deal uh high school athletes college athletes Huge deal. All right, Dan. Hey, man, I just wanted to say again, thanks for your time. And on that note, guys, uh, have a blessed Cinco de Mayo. Uh, drink responsibly. I'm going to say that now because I know there's going to be some drinking. I'm sure I'm going to get off here and probably have me something too. So yes, drink responsibly. And y'all have a great day. And go Ducks.